A reading from the letter to the Philippians, chapter 3, beginning with verse 17. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me, and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I have often told you of them, and now I tell you even with tears, their end is destruction. Their God is the belly, and their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And it is from there that we are expecting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation that it may be conformed to the body of His glory by the power that also enables Him to make all things subject to Himself. Therefore, my brothers and sisters whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. A reading from the Gospel according to Luke, the 13th chapter, beginning with the 31st verse. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to Jesus, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, Go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day, I must be on my way, because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. 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 The city that kills the prophets and stone those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you, And I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As we began Lent last week, I told you two ways that we can kind of get over Temptation. The first is to remember that sin is absurd, that it's ridiculous because it wants to separate us from God. And God is life, God is light, God is love, God is everything that we need. There is nothing we need that we can obtain in a way superior to that way that God wants us to have it. And secondly, I told you to remember, to remember that the same Spirit of God, the same Holy Spirit that descended on Jesus in His baptism, entered your heart in baptism. The same Holy Spirit lives in you through your faith in Christ. The same Holy Spirit that led Jesus through the wilderness will lead you in the times of wilderness in your life. In those times when you feel alone, when you feel threatened. In those times when you feel scared. In those times when you feel 
unworthy and imperfect, the Holy Spirit will be leading you. And the Spirit will lead you in those times when everything seems right. We can hold on to those things that sin is absurd and desires to separate us from God and hold on to the belief and the hope and the good news that God's Spirit intends to lead us out of sin and into life. And the question is, are we willing to be led? Those things are only good news if we're willing to abandon sin. If we're willing to love God as much as we love other things. St. Augustine and John Wesley, John Wesley both said to some degree, that we sin because we love the wrong things. That everything we do, we do out of love. It's just that sin entices us to love things that are bad for us. Our desires become disordered. And so we long for relationships outside of our marriage. Or we long for things that don't create holiness in us. We long for drugs instead of life. We long for hatred instead of hope. We long for someone who will say things that we know are not okay to say. We long for mouthpieces for us that will express the darkness of our hearts instead of longing for changed hearts. That's what sin does to us. It's like a fox and we're a bitty. All it wants to do is nibble us up like I said, me eating at McDonald's french fries stand, you know? I mean, seriously, have you ever not just woken up and thought about a McDonald's french fry? Desire is a powerful thing and the desire of sin is to consume us, not to build us up, not to help us have a good life, not to help us to love God, but to help us to love ourselves and preserve ourselves at all costs and make everything right for us. Which is why Herod was willing to kill Jesus. Because Herod wanted to protect his place in life. And I don't know if these Pharisees were doing a good thing or if they just wanted Jesus out of their area. I don't know what they were up to, but they come to Jesus and say, Herod wants to kill you. You need to leave. And Jesus showed the courage of vulnerability to admit, I'm going to be killed anyway. And so I'm going there. Jesus did leave, but He left on His own accord to go to Jerusalem just as God intended. He was told that a fox was coming to devour him. And Jesus let his mind be set on the things of God, on the things of his Father, and not on his own desire to perpetuate his own life. Jesus' mind had been reset by the Spirit of God. Are we willing to allow our minds to be reset? Are we willing to hear Paul say to us, imitate me as I imitate Christ? Are we willing to look at a way of life that reflects God's mercy and say, that's us. I'm going to run under those wings. Or are we unwilling? Stiff-necked people is how the people of Jerusalem are most often described in the Bible. A stiff-necked people. 
That's the description of our Hebrew forebears. And to be honest with you, it's a pretty good description for us Methodists too, isn't it? We get stuck in our own way, think it's all about us. I think maybe that's just a good description of fallen human nature that we always think everything is about us and to serve us. Even if somebody says something to us that they don't intend, if we know that's our own problem, we're certain they're talking about us, aren't we? That somehow they've learned our deep, dark secret and shared it with everybody. How do we reset our minds to get out of that way of thinking? To get out of a place where we're so easily deceived by sin? How do we reset our minds so that we can focus on the things that are above instead of focusing on earthly things? How can we reset our minds so that our God is not our gut? So that our belly and our own wants and desires are not our God? So that we serve something better? So that we serve the One who longs to gather us under His wings? It seems to me that the trick is first we have to be willing Isn't that Jesus' true lament? Jesus' lament is not the number of times that God has longed to gather us under God's wings. Jesus' lament is that we're not willing to be gathered. We want things our way. Kind of hard to hear because I know it's true. I've always wanted things my way my whole life. I think every day I want things my way. Clyde said, then I got married. That ain't funny, Clyde. (laughs) The preacher has good ears, man. Y'all can't see how red Clyde is, can you? (laughs) What was I talking about, Clyde? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. See, here's the thing, folks. Sometimes we, we we really need to be willing to admit that we're imperfect. We really need to be willing to admit that we don't have it all together. That my way is not always the best way. That my vision is not always the clearest vision. That my thoughts are not always pure thoughts. We need to be willing to admit that we need to be gathered. For whatever reason, it's not instinctual in us as it is for these little chickens. We're not like those things. Their natural disposition is to get under the hen. But the disposition we've inherited from sin is to run away from our mother hen. To seek our own way. Paul warned the people of Philippi that that was deadly. That the end of that is destruction. That if we serve our bellies as our God, the end of that is destruction. If we serve our wants, our disordered wants, if we only keep our minds set on earthly things, the end of that is destruction. But if we'll allow our God to reset our minds on Him, to call us to focus on Him, on His goodness, on His glory, then we, we can follow Jesus, even if it means being put to death. Go and tell that fox. I'm casting out demons, performing cures today, and tomorrow and the third day I finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day, I must be on my way. Jesus pressed on in faith, trusting God 
trusting God to deliver him against what he knew was certain death. Because Jerusalem has always killed its prophets, he said. There's an idea in atonement theology. Atonement is a fancy word that preachers use. It means at one meant. Meaning bringing two things together that were once separated, and that's you and me and God. God is bringing us together with God through the atonement He made through Christ. And one of the theories of the atonement is that when we encounter stories like this, where Jesus pressed on trusting the Father, where Jesus pressed on in such deep trust of the Father, that we will be influenced. We will have a, it will have a moral influence on us to influence us to follow Him more closely. To not seek ourselves, but to seek Him, even if it means we follow Him into death. When we hear that Jesus was warned that Herod was going to try to kill him where he was and he should leave, Jesus went to Jerusalem where he knew for certain they were going to kill him. And he did that for us. How can we reset our minds so that we follow Christ instead of serving the things that this world tempts us with? And the surest answer I have for you is that we can't do it, but God can. But first, we must be willing. We must be willing to allow God to change us, to change the way we think, to change our minds, to change our lives, to change our habits, to change everything about us. And that begins with recognizing that we are in truth imperfect. And here's what Paul wrote to the church at Rome. In chapter 12, I appeal to you by the mercies of God to present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God. When we are tempted, we can remember that sin is absurd, that it's ridiculous, that its promises are fake, that all it does is separate us from light and love and hope. It separates us from God. When we are tempted, we can remember that the Spirit of God is in us to strengthen us, to help us, and to lead us out of that temptation and into the will of God. And then, dear ones, we can submit ourselves to falling under the wings of our mother hen, our Father God, who will transform our minds, who will reset our minds, and help us to love God's will instead of the will of the world. And dear ones, that is good news. That is a promise from God for us today that He will reset our minds so that we will long for Him first instead of the things of this world. That's good news. My prayer is that we will be willing to let God do that work in us. That we will long for it. That we will ask for it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.